Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn, yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. Mo, did you trip up on the title of the podcast? I got a notification on my computer as I was saying it, it's... and it distracted me. <laughs> We're in budget nightmares, apparently. <laughs> we'll have to rebrand all of our stuff, Mo. Yeah. We don't have any stuff, Mo, because it's no budget nightmares. It, that represents both low cost and low effort, which, which transfers onto <laughs> the hosts of the very show that you're listening to. <laughs> exactly. Mo, this is uh, the first time in a long time that we're recording almost exactly two weeks after the recording of our most recent episode, uh, which is great. Uh, it... it more content for the listeners. I feel invigorated. I can't wait to talk about the movie we're about to talk about. Uh, how yeah, are, it's exciting. It's exciting. You know what? I feel like particularly invigorated because the movie we're going to talk about today is a lot of fun. And I think it's going to be fun, Mo, to talk about. Yeah, super, super rare. You know, uh, on the most recent episode as we were ending, Mo, I think I mentioned that uh, the film that we're covering this week, Sudden Fury from the year 1997, was the first action movie that we've covered in a while. And then I was reminded by a certain listener that we covered Operation Dance Sensation only a few episodes ago. It just happened but to be... But that was months ago. <laughs> it was still months ago because of our erratic release schedule. Yeah. Okay. God damn our immune systems. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> We're, we're, we're always in some sort of distress, but distress or no, Mo, we are here to talk about 1997's Sudden Fury, a Patreon request by one of our listeners, one of our beloved listeners, by the name of Derek. Now, Derek, I apologize if I fuck up your last name, though I don't think you I You know can. he's going to. He's fucked up every last name. It's, the be- uh, it's one of the best parts of this show. All right. Well, look. It's a French last name, at least it appears that way. And since uh, this is a bilingual country in which I live, I should be able to nail it, Derek Bourgeois. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Sorry, Derek, but it does appear to be Derek Bourgeois. And if we fuck that up, well, complain elsewhere, sir. Not much we can do about it now. But you did recommend the British action shot on video feature from the year 1997, Sudden Fury. And boy, howdy. I'm glad that you did. Yeah, I'm super happy about that. Thank you. I had not heard of this movie. Uh, and mm, me I, neither. As, oddly enough, I had heard of the director before, uh, the director Darren Ward, because he made a movie a couple of years ago called A Day of Violence, uh, which I actually own a copy of, but I've never watched. But but I remember when that movie came out, it actually made some waves. You know, it had some 
uh, it got some good reviews in certain circles, but I had no idea that Sudden Fury was a thing that existed. And I have to admit, when it was first recommended, or what I should say first requested, I he did... was suddenly furious. <laughs> I was suddenly worried, Mo, that this wouldn't fit into the general uh, uh, purview of No Budget Nightmares. But not only is it absolutely shot on video and made with very amateur acting and writing, um, it it it. Um, boy, actually, that's all I had to say. It has those things, the things that you normally <laughs> would expect on No Budget Nightmares. But it does have a few things that we don't usually see, Mo, including at least one recognizable actor, Mo. Well, if they're recognizable, then I didn't recognize them. This so distressing, <laughs> fucking majorly yeah. distressing to me. Uh, for well, our was was it Helen Mirren? <laughs> Helen Mirren herself making a a, a mid career appearance here in Sudden Fury. <laughs> no, of course I'm referring to David Warbeck, who appears um, in for about half the movie um, in, as the character of Pike. David Warbeck, of course, from Lucio Fulci's. The Beyond and other Italian films of that era. Uh, And this was a film that he... he, My understanding is that Darren Ward ran into him after he had already started filming this movie. And then uh, Warbeck agreed to be in it for nothing, for zero money. And so they kind of had to retrofit it to allow him to be in it. And A, he ends up being the best part of the fucking movie. And B, he died a very short time afterwards. So this is actually one of David Warbeck's last films. And the film itself is dedicated to him as well. So if you're a fan of David Warbeck, uh, and I am actually, one of the things I best know him for is he recorded a commentary for Lucio Fulci's The Beyond uh, just before he passed away. And he's so charming and cool and and really fun to listen to on that it, it just it honestly it bumped me out a little listening to it because he did pass away so uh, uh such a little time afterwards but he is excellent in this movie and so much fun but we'll get to that mo right now we're talking about sudden fury from the year 1997 mo, sure mo what happens at the beginning of this screwy madcap movie um I'll tell you the date, Mo. It's Friday, 22nd of May. It says so on the screen. It does. Well, that's, that's helpful. It doesn't, doesn't give us a year, but that's okay. Um, it it kind of opens in a suburban sort of looking neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the camera kind of dollying down the street. And uh, we see a man sitting in a car. Mm. We don't know who this man is. We, never, <laughs> we don't see his face. You know. Uh, and then we start to hear an argument happening. Absolutely. And the argument is between a character named Jimmy Mo, very important character. This one's actually legitimately as important. And he's basically arguing with two flunkies who he had hired to do a job. He, uh, these guys were basically supposed to steal some cocaine, kill a bunch of men, uh, I guess competing gang men, the, the Harris's men, we're told. And they were supposed to shoot them all in the head, but apparently they did not kill all of them jimmy is very upset at about that and he lets these these people know it by saying fuck a thousand times in about 10 seconds yeah this is a very uh coarse movie mo the word fuck is thrown around i would say willy-nilly i yeah yeah i mean whatever well, I'm, look, I'm, I'm coming. But, this is coming from someone who put fuck in the title of a podcast, Mo. There's a lot of fucking. <laughs> I mean, actually, there's not that much fucking. There's a lot of saying of the word fuck in this movie. A fuckery is a foot. Yes, fuckery is a foot. Very good. By the way, I should warn <laughs> listeners, I will pull out my British accent in this episode several times, Mo. I'm going to do it all the time, mate. Oh, God. Hello. 
uh, up the apples and pears, are you? Yeah. Wow. In my lorry, getting the lift. What look, do you look, 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 look. You want to do Put the some British petrol accent. in there? <laughs> you want to do the British accent? That's fine. Uh huh. Do no fucking Cockney rhyming slang. What please. is that? My trouble and strife. <laughs> Oh, you're my strawberry <laughs> uh, Barney Rubble, big trouble. Anyway, <laughs> returning, to, returning to the movie Sudden Fury. Uh, so, hey, 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 Doug, you fancy a butcher? <laughs> <laughs> so these two flunkies are getting a uh, uh, what's a what's a shouting? What's a good way to put say that in uh, in in British slang? A rogering. <laughs> <laughs> a verbal rogering. They're getting yeah. a verbal rogering from Jimmy. Um, they demand, basically, the $15,000 they were supposed to receive after completing the job. Uh, and Jimmy says, look, if you don't basically uh, sit there and take it, he's going to call in Mr. Randall, Mo. Yes. Who, who is this Mr. Randall? Well, Mr. Randall, we come to find out, is the head of the organization. Yes, Mr. Randall. Hey. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, okay. <laughs> anyway, Miss, Mr. Randall is the head. Yeah, so so just to make it very clear, you've got Harris on one side. He's the leader of one gang. you got Mr. Randall on another. I was very confused at the beginning of the movie because of all the names flying around, but that's as difficult as it gets. you got Mr. Randall. His number one guy is Jimmy, and you've got... Um, uh, Harris on the other side, and we'll get to his men a little bit later. So, yeah. Mr. Randall, who was waiting outside, tapping his fingers on his steering wheel, he comes in, Mo, because he's been listening to the whole thing. He has a little microphone. Jimmy's had a little microphone on him. He comes in. What's he do, Mo? Uh, I mean, he just kicks the fucking shit out of the dude. Yeah, he beats the shit out of these guys. Um... By the way, Randall in this case is spelled R-I-N-D-E-L-L. Very odd spelling, I thought of Randall. Well, maybe because it's his because it's a last name. Perhaps Mo. Uh, I I don't know. I don't. <laughs> so anyway, the Jimmy and Mr. Randall they go outside. Uh, we hear a few gunshots first, so the suggestion is that they've killed these two flunkies. And uh, this movie does have a thing where it will freeze frame on a character's face and tell us their names. The first one introduced is Randall. It's a very Guy Ritchie-esque gangster movie thing to do, but I, I appreciate it. Any movie that tells me a, a character's name next to their picture is A-OK by me. <laughs> the weird thing is that they abandon this really early on, and some of the people who they identify aren't that important to the movie. Right. No, that's true. Uh, I actually put in my notes that I really appreciate the fact of how quickly they introduce characters. Now, that goes away as the movie goes on, but the semi-most important characters are introduced in a timely manner and in a way that you absolutely know who they are. So, Jimmy and Randall, they go out to the car. Uh, Jimmy is covered in blood, by the way. Uh, Randall's worried. He says that they can't afford to go to war with Harris over this stealing of his cocaine. Uh, and he tells... Jimmy that he needs to call a guy named Walker and get him over to their office right away. Jimmy's very concerned. Apparently Walker, he's a tough dude. He's an animal. And then uh, Randall uh, Randall reminds Jimmy that he's covered in blood and he responds with this. Fucking hell. Every fucking time. Every fucking time. How do I look? 
fucking Elmo. Bloody fucking hell, right, mate? <laughs> now, um, oh, every fucking time. So here's the thing about <laughs> the acting in this movie, Sudden Fury. It's it's real bad most of the time. Uh, I yeah, used to it's, have it's not great. I used to have this opinion like that if you uh, an actor with a British accent, it makes everything seem a little more classy. But uh, a bad actor with a British accent is just a bad actor with a British accent. And in this case, there's some really bad acting on the go. Honestly, the guy who plays Jimmy is okay, but the dude playing Randall is piss poor, and he gets a lot to say in this movie. Yeah, and I don't particularly mind the guy who plays Walker either. He's not bad. I mean, he's not great, but he's not bad. He looks uncomfortable, uh, and I think that's pretty consistent throughout the movie. A lot of characters look pretty uncomfortable saying the dialogue they have to say. And since a lot of it is very stylized, that's not uh, surprising. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Seemed like you had something it. to say there, Mo. I, I did, but I realized it's something that could easily I could easily mention later, so... Good idea. Save it. Yeah. Save the good stuff. All right, so... I didn't say it was good. We do get a freeze frame on Jimmy, uh, identifying him as uh, Jimmy. Um, and then Randall says, Get in the car, you prick. <laughs> These guys, they like each other. A little bit later, we see a phone ringing, Mo. And this phone rings for a really, really long time. <laughs> and the room that it's ringing in is pitch black, Mo. It starts to get so in- really annoying because it rings for so long. But then we see a character pick up the phone, and this is Walker, Mo. Not Texas Ranger, Mo. This is just Walker, the guy who will be the main character pretty much for the rest of this movie. Though I did not realize it at the time. Yeah, you do, you have no realization that he's the main character. Because you think he's just a hired gun, basically. Because that's what he is. But he's basically you know. Rambo and John McClane wrapped up in one. <laughs> yeah, essentially, essentially. <laughs> you know, it's funny though from his first intro because I like I didn't quite get. I, I understand that he's definitely doing a Guy Ritchie thing, but I took it more as like a Reservoir Dogs, you know, Tarantino sort of thing. Sure. Um, which is basically what Guy Ritchie's <laughs> stealing anyway. Sure. Um, so, so I described Walker when I first met him as the Michael Matson of the group. <laughs> I guess you could see that. I mean, he's, you know, he's a man of few words, just, certainly. Just, just, at, just at first, at, at first introduction, he definitely does not stay that way. No, but I don't know. So that uh, he basically is told on the phone that he's got to go meet up with Randall, and then that jumps then Mo into the opening credits. Guyo Films present. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, of course it's Giallo Films present a Fury production. A co-production with Incredible Strange Video, a film by Darren Ward. It is Sudden Fury, Mo, from the year 1997. Anything notable, Mo, about these opening credits? Uh, I mean, honestly, I just saw a montage of bolts being put into place. It's a bullet being constructed, I believe. Oh, is it? Yeah. I I honestly didn't pay that much attention. I did, because I thought it might be important. It's just a bullet being constructed in the background. Kind of like the opening of that movie, Lords of War, which came out years later. Perhaps they ripped it off this movie. I don't know, but what I was bringing up, Mo, was that the music in this movie is done by a guy named Francois... Enochian Key. By Enochian Key. No, by (laughs) Francois Evans, Mo. And that name uh, might be known by some people because he did the music for Edgar Wright's first film, A Fistful of Fingers. Huh. Aha! Little tidbits that you only get here on No Budget Nightmares. Sure. This film was written, produced, and directed by Darren Ward. Uh, he, 
we're gonna we're gonna save some praise for Darren Ward a little bit later. Whatever limitations this movie has, and there's a lot, particularly when it comes to the quality of sound. I mean, the acting is bad, but I mean the quality of sound in this movie is pretty rough. But this is a guy who made the most out of the money that he had available, and it's all ain't on that, screen. Ain't that the fucking truth? So we do a slow zoom into a building. Randall is in there. He's still very upset about the guys who screwed up the job. He calls them fucking wankers, Mo. Wankers! Oh, no. <laughs> um, and so he basically tells his group, that if uh, t- tells Jimmy, sorry, who's sitting with him, that if any of their other men screw up like that, that he should kill him on the spot. Must be hard to be loyal to a guy like this who seems well, very it's, I mean, it's, it's a little more... Yeah, true. But it is a little bit more involved than that. He actually wants him to search out the rank and file yeah. and find every anybody who's touched cocaine and kill them. That nose candy, Mo. <laughs> yeah, the nose candy. <laughs> and they talk about how like their their operation is a lot smaller than Harris's. They say that Harris can shit all over them in the blink of an eye. <laughs> so, uh, so they basically want to get to him first. And Walker is going to be the person who's going to be involved in doing that. So they're basically going to hire him to take out Harris. Um, right. But uh, they want it to be impa- impossible for anyone to trace Walker back to them. Um, and, uh, after he's killed or his men are killed, they're going to be desperate to find the assassin. It's going to distract him and it's going to allow them to kind of get away with this, uh, this fuck up that they just were involved in. Right. I mean, let's put it this way. If the plan went down as, as planned, it, I I mean, it would have worked. It would have been a clever way to get around it, but you know, that's not going to happen. This is a fucking botched crime film. Um, it's kind of strange know. because they talk about a situation that they're hiring Walker for, but now they're going to get a phone call in just a second that's going to completely change what that suggestion was. And I wonder if this is where the script got moved around because of David Warbeck joining it. Oh, without a doubt. I think so, right? So yeah. so they basically are talking about how that Walker's going to want a shitload of money uh, to do this, which you know makes sense considering he is going to be in harm's way. And as they're talking about that, they get a call. From Pike, Harris is basically Harris's number one man, um, and it sounds a little like this. Randall here, Mr. Randall. Uh, perhaps you'll remember our telephone conversation from this morning concerning a small matter of uh, how should we say uh, lost property. Well, the gentleman that you stole He's from, so good, Mr. So Harris, is not a happy bunny, and quite rightly would like his property back. I mean, he, he's so much better than everybody else. <laughs> head head and shoulders. I, I have to admit, I probably went a little overboard on the sound clips of David Warbeck, but he unfortunately doesn't last too far into the movie, so I just got as much of it as I could. And he has some great moments before something yeah. happens to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, as, as that phone call suggested, Harris basically is totally aware of what happened and he basically wants his cocaine back. Randall says he doesn't know anything about it. Uh, but, uh, Pike reveals that he has two of Randall's men in front of him tied up. And, uh, just to, to really reinforce that Pike is a sadistic son of a bitch. Mo, he tells one of the guys, Tony Fisher to say hello to Randall on the phone while, while Pike has a blowtorch in his hand. And it sounds like this. Yeah, Tony's not enjoying that. Mo, 
One thing we haven't mentioned about this movie yet, but I'm sure we will, is that this is a very violent movie. It is a very violent movie. It's, and that's one of it that's one of its biggest saving graces. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Look, you might not be a gore hound, uh and you might not be the kind of person who can enjoy a bad movie simply because it's very violent. That's fine. I'm with you. Gore doesn't do it all for me anymore, Mo. Um, unless it's a Tachi's movie, but it just generally <laughs> doesn't. But this movie has a lot of very inventive violence. So he does, as you can hear in that sound clip, he puts the blowtorch in the person's face. Now this isn't this isn't a particularly great effect. It just shows a close up of some melting flesh on it. But uh, yeah, but it's fucking gruesome. It is very though. gruesome. That's exactly right. Yeah. So. It's- Great. Yeah. I mean, now when now of course when they pull back and do the reveal on the face, it's not the best. But I mean, honestly, like who cares? Like that close up shot alone, like really makes you feel it. You know, it's it's painful. And, and of course, you know, and the guys in the chairs who are getting blow torched. I was about to say getting blown. Uh, <laughs> getting blow torched are <laughs> woo. Um, like they're selling it too. Like I mean, they're, I, I yeah, know they're all, screaming. I know bloody yeah. murder. Yeah, I mean, you heard the guy. All they have to do is scream, Randall, and yell. But it like it really fucking works. So Randall, pretty upset about what's happening to his men. He's the only one who's allowed to kill his men around here. Uh, and his response is this: "You sick son of a bitch." Yes, I am, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> So you do hear a little coughing there. So David Warbeck's character, Pike, one of his uh, um, quirks is that he coughs constantly and sucks on a puffer a lot. Yes. I worry a little bit that that the coughing wasn't part of the character. It was part of the fact that he was literally dying when he was on set. But uh, in the context of the movie, it's just another fun thing about the character. Yeah, and they also write it in to be his ultimate demise anyway, so... So, right, because isn't that where they catch him? I don't know. Whatever, we'll get there when we get there. We'll get there. Uh, yes, pretty soon. By the way, Randall <laughs> Randall says to uh, Pike on the phone. He goes, "You cocksucker! I'll tear your fucking throat out." <laughs> and then he says to him, "Hey, by the way, you've got my men there. Can you just ask him a real quick question? Have they done any coke lately?" Ba boom. <laughs> <laughs> so Pike is barely uh, basically says, "You know, you you've learned from." Uh, that, that you're fucking with the wrong people and the torture is going to continue until Mr. Harris gets his entire cocaine shipment back. Randall just says to tell him the time or place. Um, and uh, then the response is, okay, this is a great performance. They ask Pike what the time and place is. He responds like this. This is a fuck up. You can definitely hear him fuck up this line. Let's have a little listen. Uh, you can expect a call early tomorrow morning when we give you the times and the destination. <coughs> he says, to, to give me the in times and the destination. Let me offer you a piece of advice as a friend to a friend. <coughs> Don't do anything you might regret. I think they are going to do something they'll regret. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because, Mo, they do not uh, plan on just giving back this cocaine. They actually have a new plan, Mo. And uh, so they're upset. They don't know what they're going to do at this moment. Um, their plan that they were just talking about gets blown out of the water. But they will. Randall says they're going to hire Walker as they planned before. They're going to send him to the job. Um, they, they know that Harris is going to have a sniper at the area. 
Jimmy wants to just go to war, but Walker is going to be sent in there basically just to kill as many people as he can. And then the idea is that Jimmy is going to finish him off afterwards. Yeah. But if Walker is successful and kills everyone, then they're all dead, Mo. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Car pulls up to their office. Um, A guy uh, meets Walker, who comes in through the front door. Uh, The guard who's there tries to pat him down. He does find a gun. So Walker headbutts him and beats the shit out of him and then kills him. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) What else would you, what else do you do in that situation? <laughs> His response is, I tried to be nice. Now, Walker, despite the fact that he is like kind of a hulking uh, hitman who is supposed to be just unbelievably murderous, he is not played as a joke in this movie. He is a serious character, which is kind of funny, you know, compared to something like Operation Dance Sensation, which has a similar sort of character in it. Yeah. See the point where they both have <laughs> flashbacks. <laughs> Mo, I know, I know this is like your first episode of the show. Gonna cut you a little slack. <laughs> Me stopping talking is invitation to you to start talking. I know, but I got nothing to say. There's always stuff to say. Anyway, yeah. Walker goes up to the office. He bursts in, and both Jimmy and Randall are very upset because there was supposed to be a guard who was going to let them know. Jimmy runs down to give him a good talking to another Rogering Mo. <laughs> Walker, uh, they offer him 500,000 pounds to do the job. He demands 750,000 or he'll walk. And um, and then Randall goes, if you make a promise that none of these cocksuckers are alive afterwards, I'll give you a million pounds. Uh, <laughs> and I, I and this is this is great, too, because like so. So Walker obviously accepts and then immediately walks out. And, okay, so so you have to kind of put, have the mental picture here, okay? Walker's literally one step out the door. Like, the one, door is not even fully closed. He's not just Not even fully left. closed. You know, and Randall says this. You better kill that fuck tomorrow. No one comes in my office and threatens me. Do you hear me? They, they are saying they're going to double-cross him while he's literally an inch outside the door after leaving. It's amazing. Oh, my God. So later, we are in an abandoned building, Mo, and the abandoned building is this movie's uh, version of the international waters of the, <laughs> the forest. forest yeah. they, have had, they have access to an abandoned building that someone has told them they can do whatever they want with, and they proceed to. <laughs> uh, we get a crane shot in this scene, Mo. Yeah. The crane lowers down. We see Harris's men, led by Pike. Um, Pike is smoking. Um, and he comes in and he says, Mr. Walker, at least we get to, at last we get to meet the living legend. So Walker's on the other side. He's got some men with him as well. Um, and then Walker asks, uh, Pike, if, uh, who at this point he doesn't, uh, know, he asks him if he has, uh, a name and there's a great, there's a great moment here. Hold on. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to cut this off. So like, like you said, Pike is smoking as, as they come in. And he starts to kind of like cough a little bit while he's smoking. And he does this great thing where he just kind of like, like daintily throws the cigarette down because he's like, what the fuck am I doing? And it's just, it's so brilliantly acted like that one little moment. Like it, it, it honestly, like there's only a handful of moments in this movie that really make me go, that's so great. And that's one of them. Just where he throws the cigarette down. Like, what am I doing? And then, like, immediately afterward, he takes out an inhaler 
and he like yeah. the, he pops off the cover and he goes pop, and you can actually hear that now. So he's been asked what his name is. This is his response. <laughs> pop. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Uh, Stan. Fred. <laughs> Margaret. Sometimes. Oh, Mr. Pike. See, now that's legitimately funny. You. <laughs> you fucking idiot! You just spoiled my game with Mr. Walker! <laughs> You've touched my name! <laughs> <laughs> oh, they pissed, they pissed off Bricktop. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Gotta so, feed him to the pigs. So Pike is very upset about that. But he slaps the guy uh, on the phone. Uh, it's Rebecca, <laughs> who we don't really know who that is. He tells her that he's in a meeting. Um, Walker says that his name doesn't mean shit to him. He just wants But to- I like what he says, too. He's like, tell that bitch I'm in a meeting. <laughs> does he say bitch or does he say cunt? I can't remember. But he says something really, like, rough. And the phone's, like, an inch away from his head. And he yells it, too. <laughs> So Pike is, is he already knows that Randall has, has sent Walker there to kill him. Um, and Randall um, and Walker says that he was just hired to make sure that everything goes smoothly and he just wants to get on with it. So Pike, he puts out his hand so someone can bring him over the cocaine. But some idiot <laughs> knocks over a piece of glass. It hits the ground mowing. You know what happens then? <laughs> Walker does this brilliant turnaround dive to the ground and just starts fucking machine gunning everything. So this is the first major action sequence of the movie uh, and it's really impressive. I put a lengthy clip of it over on our Facebook group. Yeah. Um, so people get shot and the squibs in this movie are Paul Verhoeven-esque in that they're very yeah. bloody. Blood is going everywhere. Someone gets shot in the head. That squirts blood. Um, someone gets shot in the throat at one point. Pike is loving it. He yells out. Yeah, you can hear some of the like the gunfire there. So these are uh, actual weapons, like, you know, shooting um, blanks. But, I mean, there is so much gunfire happening in yeah. this one sequence. Like, honestly, like, this being British, it makes you kind of wonder how the hell they managed to get this many fucking weapons. <laughs> you know... Uh, I'm sure there's a story behind that. So uh, I'm sure there is. Walker gets shot. Uh, he bandages up his own arm. He runs after Pike and he grabs his shotgun. Uh, he sh- he gets shot then in the leg and he bleeds all over the place, but kills a bunch of Pike's men. Pike is left all alone and looks very frightened as Walker limps after him. There's a part where he kind of he goes uh, next to the side of a building. He's sort of outside and he suspects that Pike might be in there, so he starts shooting the shotgun into the building. And it's amazing. I mean, the building is completely empty, but he fucking demolishes it with that shotgun. Yeah. I, I suspect that they might have actually used a real shotgun for that scene and just fucking shot into the room. <laughs> yeah, why not? You know? I mean, take advantage. If nobody's in there, fuck it. But, um, yeah, so so that, so here, so here's the moment I was kind of talking about before. Yes. Uh, he, you know, Pike, Pike ends up climbing up a ladder thinking if he gets up out of the way, he, he won't find him. And it almost works. It almost works. Uh, Walker comes, well, doing what he does, walking by. And, 
and uh, <laughs> he, he's limber uh, at this particular moment. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. I, yeah. Like like let's put it this way: like the fucking bullet he took to the knee, he should not be walking. But he is. He's he, you know he's superhuman. Yes, and he proves this many times during the course of the film. Uh, and Pike, you know, as his character would do, gives out a couple little. <laughs> You know, Uh-oh. coughs, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and fucking Walker just starts unloading the shotgun into the ceiling and just blows Pike the fuck away. It's it's an it's, incredibly well done effect. I mean, it looks it's brutal. Such a good effect. So he says to Pike, he goes, "How does it feel? How does it feel?" Just like Pike said a moment ago. Then he shotguns him a few times and he kills him, and that's the end of David Warbeck's part in this movie. Unfortunately. Uh, but yeah. hey, they made the most of him while he was here. They sure did, and the and the movie and the movie is honestly like a good solid thirty percent better than it could have been without him being in it. So so Walker grabs some cocaine, the bag of cocaine, and he limps away. He goes outside. Jimmy is there waiting for him. He goes. Randall says to congratulate you on a job well done. I'm afraid this is where it ends, Mo. See, little double cross as we expected. Mm. He tell he tells Walker to put the gun down. <laughs> And to throw the bag over. Now, Walker has two bags that look exactly the same. He, he kicks one over. He drops the other one to the ground. And then when he goes down to uh, throw the second one over, he picks up a Zuzi and he shoots Jimmy in the leg, Mo. Yeah, like, here's the thing. Somebody needs to teach jimmy a lesson in how to deal with people with guns well this is the lesson i think (laughs) yeah i know yeah yeah exactly he learned his fucking lesson i mean you know how how much longer he'll live to 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 see it out but you know put the gun down and then kick the fucking gun over put the bloody gun down mo (laughs) you wanker (laughs) and then walker says this you know you tell randall coming to get him <laughs> Jimmy is not happy. Tell him I'm fucking coming, and I'm bringing hell with me. <laughs> um, it then cuts. Well, actually, Walker gets in uh, the car and he drives away, and Jimmy just lays there screaming. We see a body bleeding in some water. There's a gravel pit construction site. We see Walker. He's got the two bags of cocaine. He's running. Someone comes up behind him, Mo, and shoots him. What happens then? Oh, my favorite thing that happens in movies. Uh-huh. My favorite thing. Mm-hmm. He wakes up. It was a bloody nightmare. Oh, my God. You, you got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop. Uh, it was a bloody nightmare, it was. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, he wakes up and he's uh, crashing. Core blimey. His... <laughs> Core blimey. Exactly. He's uh, crashing at his friend Alex's house. Yes. Uh, and, you know, and Alex gives him some great fuck, fucking advice. Yeah. You know, he says, he says, lay low, take a couple weeks, heal. And also, you have two, two and a half million pounds worth of cocaine. You can probably just, like, take a few months off if you want. And, in fact, Walker agrees. He says, I'm going to take a few months off um, and, and, you know, rest up, heal. Alex says you can stay there as long as you want. This Alex, a good guy. I think only good things are going to happen to him. <laughs> <laughs> If I had I to guess, tell. I can tell there's there's good things in his future. Look, you put goodness into this world, you get it back. It is a formula that's worked for millennia. I don't see any problems. Uh, Walker goes back to sleep. 
we do get the sound of a helicopter mo something is not right in the brain of walker but we'll get to that a little bit later <laughs> right later mo jimmy remember jimmy who got shot just a few moments ago oh yeah that guy jimmy's on some bleeding crutches walking down the street a car stops someone tells jimmy to get in the guy in there says that Randall is pissed. As you can imagine, he would be. All Jimmy had to do was kill Walker. Had a million different opportunities. Did not make it happen. Mm-hmm. Randall is uh, at uh, maybe his home or an office or somewhere. He's eating some uh, pasta mo. Well, yeah, I mean, as you do. Yeah, because he's like a gangster, right? He's Italian. Sure. He's having a, a, a little uh, meatballs and some tomato <laughs> sauce. Hey! He's having- He's having himself a nice scongile. Anyway. We just lost our entire Italian audience. So uh, he hides how upset he is with Jimmy for a little while. Um, but he mentions, you know, like, I know that Walker's still alive. I just want to have a little chat with you. He takes out his gun at one point, which is supposed to be very threatening. He tells Jimmy. It's not. He's got to get some rest since his ribs must be sore. And Jimmy's like, my ribs? And then the men who are there, they punch him in the ribs. And then he he gets knocked to the ground. Now, rem- uh, remember, Jimmy is on crutches at the moment. He picks himself up. And then one of his uh, – Randall says that one of the men will bring him home. So this was just to give Jimmy a lesson to not fuck up. They're not there to kill him. But if he keeps fucking up, he will be killed. <laughs> it's very clearly stated. Yeah, yeah. So he, so Randall has, has a new plan to get at Harris. Yes. Tell me this, this plan, point. Mo. So, and, and this, this plan's okay. You know, like the, the first plan would have worked better had it not, not worked. I but, mean, Harris um, should be very suspicious at this point, I would think. Yeah. Incredibly. So he wants to set up a, set up a meeting with Harris and the guy is wondering, I, I think it's Jimmy's questioning like, well, you know, how are you supposed to do that? You know, like you need to have a man on the inside, yada, yada. And, and Randall's like, I have one. Yeah. He's been working for him for months. Yeah. He's, he's been there for months already. I got a man on the inside. It'll be easy peasy. Um, you know, so he has, so he sets up, uh, so now we finally meet Harris. Yes. So, so it cut, it cuts to the inside of a fairly, lush, you know, looking house, uh, much nicer than anything we've seen so far. And, uh, and there's a ponytailed bearded man, uh, who we find out is Harris. Uh, one of his men's tells him that, that, that Randall wants to set up a meet and they set it up. He, his response to hearing about the meeting is that he figured that Randall was going to back down. So he figures that his intimidation tactics have worked and that's why he wants to set up the meeting because he's basically being told that Randall's wants to, to, to give up trying to sell cocaine and to work under him. Right. Then we get another title on the screen, Mo. It's Saturday, the 30th of May. Honestly, I didn't even see that title. So (laughs) are there, are there, are there more in the movie? Because if there are, I've missed every single one. There is. And the next one is kind of important because it suggests a amount of, an amount of time passing. That's kind of important, but I'll talk about it in Ah. just a second. So a truck arrives at a house. Randall gets out slow motion. He's walking inside in a very bad looking 1990s suit. A uh, thug meets him at the door. This is his inside man, and he gives him a note. Mo, what does the note say? I didn't see specifically what the note said, if I'm being completely <laughs> honest, but it was something to the effect of like, uh, "Once you hear gunfire, clear the house" or something like that. It that you, very good, Mo. It said, yeah. "When you hear gunfire, clear the house." Bang bang. Oh, see, I didn't see the bang bang. So, so he goes inside, Mo. 
And there are like a bunch of men drinking, uh, and a couple of them they, they kind of point to show him where he's supposed to be going, where he's going to meet with Harris. So he goes outside. There's a man with a ponytail, Harris, talking to a woman and a child, his wife and his kid. Randall, we see him now. This is all silent. We see him con- conversing with the ponytail man to Harris. I should say, not just ponytail man. Then he pulls out a gun, shoots the man, shoots the woman, and then there's just the kid left, Mo. Now, what's notable about this child? Isn't he wearing like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles nope. sweatshirt? No. Nope. No. Nope. What is he what is he wearing? He's wearing No Mo, you're very, very close, but you have to understand uh... in the United Kingdom, it wasn't called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was called Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, which is what this kid oh. is wearing on his sweater. Uh, See, Randall looks for a second like he isn't going to shoot the kid, and then he just fucking blows him away. Yeah. And uh, just as he does that, he actually shoots the kid a couple more times after that. Then another kid, also wearing a Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles shirt, comes out. Um, and uh, he says to the kid, he goes, you must be Anthony. Anthony, there's been a little accident with your parents. Everything's going to be all right. We'll sort it out together. Fucking idiot Anthony. I mean, he is just a kid. <laughs> <laughs> he comes over, and uh, then there's the sound of gunfire from in the house because his inside man is starting to go to work. And then um, a jerk-ass Randall breaks Anthony's neck. This guy Randall, he's kind of bad news, I would say. Which is funny because he's like one of the least intimidating looking guys ever. Really? And he's a particularly bad actor. And perhaps even more amusing than all of that, he doesn't last for much longer. No, no, he he really doesn't. Like, like I, okay, so let's just put a mental picture into people's heads. So imagine a significantly younger, like low rent John Oliver. Yeah, sort of like, like that. that. That's kind of what Randall looks like. So he's not, like, so not at all intimidating looking. (laughs) Without the glasses, by the way. He's just, you know, he's got kind of a big nose. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Yeah. So the inside man then comes out, and they have this exchange. Everything okay, Mr. Randall? Fine. And inside, Steve? Piece of cake. Good. You can go and enjoy spending that money now. Oh, and Steve, something I forgot. Take this with you. Whoa! shoot steve steve who did nothing wrong at all why did he kill steve yeah steve was a loyal man you i mean you need loyal men this would be like killing donnie brasco after he comes out from being undercover (laughs) not to mention not to mention the fact that like steve probably had like knowledge of of harris's inner working right since he'd been there for months and he just kills the guy i don't know i don't think this randall's thinking about the big picture is what i'm saying Look, I know that's a controversial thing to say. <laughs> it is very, very controversial. So what happens next, Mo? I'll tell you what happens. We get another... <laughs> sorry, that just made me laugh. Go ahead. We get another... Um... Sorry. We get another title on the screen, Mo, and this one is important. Do you know why? No, because I didn't see it. Yeah, this one, of course, you didn't see. It, it says uh, Saturday, June 13th. Suggesting that weeks have passed, Mo, and that's important because we then see Walker. He's getting a shower. His wounds have started to heal, even though he's still in pretty bad shape. Mm. So Alex, remember his good buddy, he tells uh, Walker, he yells upstairs that he's going to be going away for a couple of days. Walker's still bandaged up. Um, Alex says that he'll be back Thursday. Walker wants to go with him. Alex says that you're not in any position to work. You're still beat up. And he's like, I don't want to work. I just need to get out of here. Because you see Walker, he's uh, feeling a bit of cabin fever. He says, 
bitch. Christ's sake, Alex, I'm a fucking hitman, not some insect that needs to hide away. I just gotta get out of this place. Just go! Go and get yourself killed. And for what? Your own fucking ego. Your fucking ego, Mo. Oh my god, what the f- <laughs> <laughs> Um... <laughs> Got another hour of this. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex uh, eventually calms him down and he tells him just to stay there till he's 100% fit. Um, and what he says is that because Walker is still obsessed with getting back on Randall uh, and uh, to uh, punishing him for trying to kill him, he says that once he gets back on Thursday, him and uh, Walker will sit down and they're going to come up with a plan to get back at Randall. Then Al- really brilliant. Bloody brilliant. Uh, Bloody brilliant. Then Alex is just about to leave, and then he says, oh, I forgot. I have a little surprise for you. She goes by the name of Charmaine, and then he leaves. Mo, I wonder who Charmaine is. I bet it's going to be something really interesting, Mo. I'm sure it is. So then we have a strange sequence (laughs) where... Actually, why don't you explain what happens next, Mo? Just in case I, I didn't really get it all. Um, yeah, my notes are really bad here. Well, it's just about, there's a guy, there's two guys having a meeting. One guy's sitting on a park bench. Uh, one of them uh, is really terribly dubbed, like his his voice is, doesn't match his lips at all. He goes, he gives him some uh, money or a package of some sort and he goes he says just make sure you're done you're gone by half 10 all right so he's just he's he's giving someone a job not really a necessary thing to to show really so right. then we see a phone ring Randall picks it up um and then Jimmy knocks on his door and he unlocks it Randall says that it's um Randall suggests that Jimmy has just come back from Spain uh, he's he's uh, healed from his wounds Simo the 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 titles did Makes sense, because now it shows that time has passed that even Jimmy has fully recovered. Ah. So Jimmy is a little concerned with Randall. Um, Randall closes the curtains when he comes in, and he tells him to sit down, and he tells Jimmy that he is now the sole distributor of coke and cocaine in the southwest region, uh, and that Harris can't say much of anything anymore because he's dead, and his whole fucking family are dead, Mo. They are. Jimmy's a little impressed at first. Can confirm. Yeah, Jim, Jimmy's impressed at first, but he's also, he seems a little put out by by uh, Randall. He's looking a little crazed. In fact, Randall's response to his murder is... But I tell you something, it felt fucking good. And the sound of the gun, the feel of the hot steel, and the smell of the gun smoke. But best of all, there's a fear in their eyes. The struggle and the kick as I snap the neck of a little kid. I'll do it all again in a second. <laughs> oh, boy. Randall's uh, gone a little over the edge. You know, I would think that the person who runs a criminal enterprise, like murder, would not be this brand new thing for him to have experienced. He right. killed well, someone at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. With guns. Exactly. We heard gunshots. Exactly. And it's only been a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, so he's still feeling it. I guess so. So uh, we see a bar. Alex, remember the friend of Walker? He's drinking with a woman, gives her his number, and then he leaves. He's going outside smoking a cigarette. Uh, a van a van turns on its lights nearby. Mo, I have to say, when the van turns on its lights, there's a sound on the soundtrack, and I swear I have heard that in a exploitation movie before. I think it might be from Maniac. Um, I don't remember the sound enough. It's, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, it turns on its lights, it goes, boing! 
I don't know. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong or something like that, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a reference. But uh, this fan, whoever's in the van, is obviously watching him. Someone comes up behind him, puts a bag over his head. Some men pull him into the van and they drive off. Looks like our friend Alex is in a spot of bother. Mo, a spot of bother. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> So uh, we we cut back to, uh, it's, <laughs> to <laughs> it's it's Randall and Jimmy, right? Yeah, Randall and Jimmy. Jimmy's and still gives, a little upset about him killing the guy's wife and kid. Right, but that doesn't matter because it's in the past at this point. Who fucking cares? It's yeah. never brought up again. Uh-huh. Whatever. Uh, Randall gives Jimmy the job of overseeing some kind of land deal exactly. or something yeah, to that yeah. effect. I, that, I think they're opening up a new narcotics plant on some new land, and he wants to put Jimmy in right. charge of that. Right. And he says, um, by the way, Mo, he goes, he goes, if you make me look like an asshole, you won't walk away from this one, capiche. And hearing the words capiche come from this fucking dude's mouth is the least natural thing in the fucking world. <laughs> Cop- <laughs> capiche. <laughs> capiche. Uh, capiche. Jimmy leaves, Mo, he takes a big breath. He seems a little uneasy about this whole situation. Mm. Now, remember I said before that it looked like things are going to going to be great for Alex this point. Going yeah, forward. I still I still hold that true. I, I believe that everything's going to come up roses for Alex. Well, his, no he, he's good friends with Walker, who's a one-man wrecking crew, Mo. So I don't think he has anything to worry about. But at this yeah. particular moment, he's in a little bit of trouble. He uh, he has a hood over his head. He's been tied up. They take off the hood, and they ask, um, and he asks where the hell he is and who the people around him are. And then someone beats him up with a bat, Mo. Yeah, smacks the fuck out of his legs. And there's a man there, and he's like, "Do not speak unless spoken to." Um, and he, I hate, I hate this guy. You don't like him, Mo? No, I hate him. It is interesting. Now we're uh, we're not quite halfway. We're probably, I guess, just around halfway point of the movie now, and they're introducing a character, this torturer character, um, who doesn't get named for a little while yet. He is literally the main bad guy for the rest of the movie. It's so strange. Yeah. I don't understand why they like, and he's kind of like he's just unnamed at this point. Yeah, he's just the torturer. So uh, Alex screams again, so he uh, hits him again with the bat. Uh, the torturer says that he'll answer when asked, and then he uh, Alex hangs his head, and then it just goes to black. But I think there's a little more torture in store for our good friend Alex, if you know what I mean. So there's a guy, and I think you do. I think you do. So there's a dude sitting outside a. Uh, um, a building uh, in a car. He seems impatient. He sees a woman get out of a car and enter the house that he's been looking at. The woman, this is Charmaine. Walker answers the door, Mo. This is a person looking out to see. He's actually spying on Alex's house to see if Walker might be there. And this is confirmation that he is. Um, And the guy in the car goes, nice knowing you, Walker. And then he gives someone a call on the phone. Now, what? tell me about this Charmaine character, Mo. What's Charmaine all about? She's... A hooker. She's a hooker with a heart of gold. Nah, I don't know how true that is. <laughs> I mean, she's she's a hooker with a nose full of candy. If oh, baboom. <laughs> but um, I mean, whatever. I'm not I'm not gonna get in on her looks or anything like that. I don't care enough. Um, you know, they they Mo, you're talk. softening in your older age. No, I it's here. You know what though? Like if like like when we did the last movie, you know, and like there were like you know, attractive women mm-hmm. with large breasts. Uh, 
then yeah, I'm going to dwell on it a little bit longer. This one, I don't particularly care. This is like the quintessential like British woman, you know. Uh, Fresh in your drink for you, governor. Right, exactly. You know, like she's offering him a spot of tea. She does that like that. So they start making out on the stairs. On the stairs. That seems uncomfortable. Couldn't be comfortable at all. And she gets up and she starts asking him something. I don't know if you caught what she said, but I couldn't understand half the shit that came out of her mouth. Uh, now, like, so honestly. yeah, it was she's there's a combination of her accent and the bad uh, audio and bad it, sound makes yeah. it very difficult. So she, I, she basically says that she wants to use the bathroom and do something mm-hmm. before they have sex, which is you know reasonable. Uh, she, <laughs> she 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 uh, but what she really wants to do, Mo, is to snort a bunch of cocaine up her nostrils. I mean, as you do. Don't do drugs, kids. Except cocaine, especially well, if they're given to you, then you got to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just, important. You know, it's important. Yeah, it, you know. yeah. Really, it's kind of <laughs> offensive to not do it in that case. Yeah, uh, weed's okay though. So back to Alex. Uh, he's hunched over. He's bleeding. <laughs> Someone throws some water in his face. Mo, very important to note, as we'll see in a second. The torturer asks him questions about uh, about a few things, but he he specifically states that he has been hired by Randall. So he's actually one of Randall's men. The torturer is. And he's right. been asked to uh, to track down Walker. So he asks Alex about Walker, and it sounds like this. Walker! Does that fucking name ring a bell with you? It fucking should do. It fucking should do. <laughs> uh, now, you don't like this character, Mo. I like him, though I have to say, I don't know if his accent or his voice is an affectation or if that's how he actually sounds in real life. If, it's if that's ha- how he sounds in real life, then I love him. But it is yeah, a very a- unusual lilt to his voice, right? And it's very high pitched. I love it, actually. <laughs> uh, Alex, resp- Alex responds to that by headbutting this dude in the face, which he does not enjoy at all, Mo. Um, and it fucking should do. <laughs> and by the way, this guy, uh, what's his name? By the way, Mo, do you remember the torturer's name offhand? Lennox. Lennox. Uh, Lennox has like a flunky, uh, like like a uh, a guy who helps him beat up people, basically. And yeah. and the flunky guy goes, uh, "You okay?" And he goes, "What do you think, you dumb fuck?" And he just insults <laughs> this guy mercilessly for the rest of his life, which is not very long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he asks for a table. Uh, Lennox asks for a table to be brought over. They force Alex's hand onto it. And um, they ask him where Walker is and where's the coke. He goes, go fuck yourself. So what do they do, Mo? Oh, my God. This is fucking brutal. It's pretty brutal. So, yeah. So they, you know, he, he breaks out this knife and swings down, chops off one of his fucking fingers. Now, here's the part that's extra brutal. It's not like they chop it down at, like, the base of the finger. They chop, like, the tip of his finger off. And they... And, like... they Yeah, like, to me... Sorry. To me, that's way worse. And they stab him in the arm, like not yeah, they st- on the hand, but like well up the arm. He's- but there, but there's a great, there's a great shot too from underneath where you see the knife go through the table. Yeah, brutal. So they stab him in the arm. He's screaming in pain. Alex is very upset, and then he passes out. So Lennox says to his flunky, "This is actually terrific. This is one of my favorite uh, exchanges in the movie." Get some water. Wake the busted up. I can't. I used it all up last time. <laughs> Well, use your initiative, you fucking asshole. Piss in the bucket. <laughs> I love the flunky's voice. Uh, call. Yeah, see, now, now the flunky I fucking love. <laughs> like, he's just this 
fat, older, mustachioed man, you know, and, and like his voice just screams of, I don't want to be here right now. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, I'm clearly a fucking moron. I don't know what to do. Well, we, we do hear the guy take a piss. Uh, yeah. And then he comes over and he um, pours a pretty insubstantial amount of piss over Alex's head. And it does indeed wake him up. He, uh, Lennox basically says to Alex, you tell me where Walker is and you'll die quick. Alex responds by calling him the N-word, Mo, which I have to say was not what I was expecting to hear. Uh, but, I'm not going to lie. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, he says the N-word, and Lennox, uh, who uh, is woke, he is very upset about hearing it, and he shoots Alex in the chest, killing him. Mm. Then the phone rings, Mo, and it's in super slow hip-hop locos audio. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, We're getting it from the perspective of Alex as he lays dying. So, um, he's it's so... Uh, Lennox talks to Mr. Randall on the phone. He says that this piece of shit wasn't talking anyway. Uh, he says, get me the camera and shotgun. And then he leans over Alex and he says, I want my face to be the last fucking thing you ever see. They put a bag over his head, roll him over, and they brutally shoot him in the back. It's pr- Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's really, really rough. And then they uh, take a photo of his corpse afterwards, I guess, to, to either for a memento or to send over to Mr. Randall. To commemorate the occasion. Remember Charmaine, our good friend, Mo? Oh, yeah, yeah, the uh, the coke-snorting hooker. She's snorting some coke, this hooker, right this oh. very second in Walker's bathroom. Uh, Walker is celebrating the moment by having post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He's looking in a mirror and having flashbacks of something. We see him walking through the woods with some soldiers, and but he is woken up from it by Charmaine, who comes in in her undies, Mo. I love the fact that she is completely unfazed. He points a gun Walker at her. Pulling a gun at her. Gun on her. Not know. only is she unfazed, she starts filleting the gun barrel, Mo. Mm. Look, if you are in jolly old London town and you're working as a lady of the night, you're probably used wow. to such things. Well, I mean, yeah, sure. So she undresses him and she notices that he's uh, scarred, Mo, and she says, Oh, baby, you've been in the wars. Looks like I have to take care of you. And she, Did we mention the fact that she is a terrible actor? Well, I mean, join the fucking club, right? Oh. <laughs> so she does indeed start taking care of him, Mo. And by taking care of him, I mean kissing across his stomach. They make out for a while. And then we get some topless nudity, Mo. We see some breasts. This is like the most awkward sex scene. It is pretty awkward. Uh, yeah, just incredibly awkward. Now... I, I think there's only a handful of things that no budget films are kind of known for. And those are the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, news segments. News segments. Yes, indeed. And awkward sex. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I do get the impression sometimes that the directors of a lot of these films, they don't really know what sex is all about, but they're very interested in it. <laughs> you know well here's the thing too it's like if you if you don't have that much money you know and you're paying a woman to get naked and perform sex acts on film even simulated you know like you kind of have to take what you get because otherwise i imagine you'd have to pay her more money fair, fair enough 
So you know? Jimmy, our good friend Jimmy, he goes visit and visits Randall. Now, this scene is very superfluous. Basically, they just r- tell us things that we already know. Randall mentions that a that he had someone parked outside of Alex's place, that he saw right. a woman go in, and that Walker answered the door. And he wants um, Jimmy to go get Randall and to bring the woman back with him as well. Mm-hmm. So, And then we cut back to... Walker and, and Charmaine, and they're having uh, a lot more sex, Mo, in a variety of positions. Very inventive. <laughs> Missionary and the rest. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> Missionary at all. Yeah. Uh, the phone then rings, and though he is in the midst of um, uh, fucking, Walker stops and he answers the phone, and someone on the other end tells him that Alex was caught, tells him where he can find him. Uh, and then the mysterious caller, he we we hear him cock a shotgun, Mo. But we don't know who this person is who's helping uh, Walker by telling him this information. Mm. It's a mystery, Mo. Gosh, you know what other character in this movie seems to be uneasy about things that have been happening recently and is a main <laughs> character? Who could it possibly be? <laughs> well, let's let's see. There are exactly three main characters. It's probably not and, Randall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing it's not Randall. <laughs> and it's not Walker talking to himself, though I suppose that is possible. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Walker, very upset. By so, w- <laughs> so Jimmy calls Walker. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we're, it's going to be explained why he did that a little bit later. We'll, we'll talk about right, that in a little while. Right. <laughs> so, so Walker says some very mean things to this woman. Basically tells her to fuck off. Um, and then we see someone stab someone in the back and pick up a shotgun mo. I don't know where this is supposed to have taken place. Do you remember this part? Yeah, it's I I'm guessing it's supposed to be it, I'm guessing it's either at Randall's home or Randall's office. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that's right because of what happens next. So this is yeah, yeah, it's at Randall's office. We see someone get stabbed and they pick up a shotgun. Uh there's there's intercutting between the two uh, scenes, which is why it's a little bit confusing. The prostitute leaves and then somebody Shotguns Randall to death, Mo. Mm-hmm. Randall, the main baddie in the entire movie, gets shotgun to death. There's still more than a half hour left. Yeah, yeah. There's there's almost a full hour of the movie left. No, no, it's not almost a full hour, but there's more well, than a half it's hour. Forty five minutes. Yeah, that's not ish. an hour, Mo. Forty five minutes is a long fucking way from an hour. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. So Walker, very yeah. upset, now all alone, he goes into his closet. He is, as Eminem once said, cleaning out his closet. But instead of having a lot of disturbing memories, he has a lot of guns and ammunition in there. (laughs) A lot of guns. My God. He fills a bag. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... Like it's like that scene from Deadpool where he's gra- where he's gathering every fucking gun from the house. Yeah, like it's it's that full. So he also picks up a, a photograph, Mo, uh, and then who is this photograph of? Randall. It's of Randall, and then he burns it. It's like it's symbolic, but Randall's already dead, but he doesn't know that. <laughs> mm. So he crosses himself with the gun, the first suggestion that he has any religious conviction at all. And then he leaves, gets in a car, and he drives away, Mo. It's vengeance time for our friend uh, uh, Walker, and uh, we'll see where that goes. This coming up scene actually makes me, um, uh, reminds me a lot of, like, video game logic. Yes. 
You know, so Walker gets to this building. Well, he, first he skulks next to some train tracks. <laughs> He's, yeah, he skulks next to some. Oh, train you're tracks. right. The, this part is like apart from like Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, it's totally a Metal Gear scene. <laughs> um, I should say, by the way, basically, so this movie's been rocky up to this point, right? I mean, yeah. uh, it, there's been moments of goodness. There's that great action scene earlier. Pretty much from this point forward, it's all good. Uh, this, yeah, this is yeah, kind yeah, of the yeah. point where the, the movie takes a turn and there's about 45 minutes of goodness. So uh, uh, hold on to your horses. It's about to get intense. And thankfully, a lot of it is action based. Yeah, no, there's 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 a lot of really great stuff coming up. But but this is the funniest of the shit that's coming up. Maybe not, but it's it's a funny moment. Anyway, so yeah, like you said, he skulks by some train tracks and then he spies a truck in a flatbed entering into a building. Mm-hmm. Um and walks basically in front of a guard like he like he can't he can't be more than fucking 40 fucking feet from the guy you know well i'll tell you and, what just for you i'm going to now insert the sound that they make in metal care when someone <laughs> someone is spotted by a guard <laughs> fucking exclamation point over his head yeah right exactly um, yeah well i mean here's the thing you know he he, he they didn't have the budget to get a cardboard box. No, that's right. <laughs> snake, but, uh, snake, snake. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. We are geeks for sure. So he sneaks by the front guard and he starts cutting a hole in the chain link fence. Yes. There's a car coming. Yes. Okay. And this is easily <laughs> the funniest moment in the entire fucking film, as far as I'm concerned. So he's awkwardly cutting a chain link fence with this tiny little fucking set of tin snips mm-hmm. and uh, and finally gets it open just as the car is like literally like 10 fucking feet away and coming directly <laughs> at him. He throws the bag through the fence and then dives through and the car drives by. Yeah. You're trying to tell me that these fucking guys in this car don't notice the guy jump through the fucking fence and then awkwardly lay on the ground as they fucking drive by. It It is edited in a way that you're right. It is hilarious, though. I will say that yeah. the last edit shows the car being far enough away that it could be that they didn't notice him. But it would be hard not to see someone leap into a fence like that. Uh, right. He then does something that I actually thought was really cool, Mo. I don't know if you noticed this. He breaks a window. But, I mean, I know this has been done in a bunch of movies, but I haven't seen it in a while. What he does first is he covers the window with duct tape, so when he breaks it, the pieces don't all smash inside. They all stick to the tape so he can just pull it out. Right. I thought it was pretty neat. Um, yeah. So he's, now he is inside the location, the abandoned building that they can do whatever they want in, and he's sneaking around with his guns, Mo. And at one point, two guards wander by, and he hides they go outside, but one of them decide, decides that they forgot to check the engine room. He goes back in uh, while the other takes a piss. He sees Walker, Mo, and his response is very British. He goes, Oi! What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, while this is going on, by the way, Lennox, remember him, the torturer? He's playing cards. He's playing cards with his flunky guy. Uh, the radio uh, reports to him that there's an intruder. Um, and... Um, he, he calls back to one of the, the guards and he goes, play it safe. It could be Walker. And it indeed is. Walker's looking mm. around. He climbs up above a door, Mo. But as he's in the process of doing it, he drops his bag of guns like a fucking idiot. Yeah. 
Then the guard comes in, Mo, does not see Walker, but does see his fucking pile of guns, and he's very interested. He then reports back, he goes, you should see the size of this guy's arsenal, which I thought was actually kind of funny, like the size of his arse. Yeah, I, I, got, I got it. I get the joke. The response is this. What do you think? Is it Walker? How the fuck do I know, you dumb fuck? <laughs> Uh, how, could you, how could you not like Lennox, Mo? He's so foul-mouthed. Uh, well, I mean, foul-mouth is a uh, is a trait I look for in a friend. Mm. Well, Lennox thinks that they that his men should approach with caution. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're looking through his guns. They're having a good time. Uh, one of them says, "There's enough air to start World War Bloody Three. I guess that was more Australian than English. Now that I think about it. Walker, Crikey. Walker, who's still positioned above uh, the doorframe, he jumps down on them, breaking one guy's leg and then proceeding to break his neck. Lennox is still sitting down and he's wondering what's going on. He hasn't heard from the men. And his number one guy, the guy who, the, with the mustache, he thinks that the men just turned their radios off, even though they were just reporting that they found a bag full of guns. <laughs> yeah, why would they turn? Yeah. Lennox is curious. He sends his man down to check it out. So Walker is now bleeding. I don't know how, what happened to him that he's bleeding. He got he got pushed into a wall and hit his head. Hit so his like head. so so there's a moment where like one of the guys is dead already. Walker already killed him, but there's two other guys mm-hmm. left and yes. they got knocked out and Walker got pushed. That's into right. A They're wall. knocked on the ground and they have to get back yeah. up. Walker looking for a weapon <laughs> does he he doesn't have access to his bag so he has to improvise. He finds a hacksaw, Mo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as you do. What does he do with it? Oh, he hacks with it, all right. <laughs> right into the fucking neck of the of one of the guys. And it is, I mean, it's a classic, you know, fucking cutaway effect. Absolutely. But it's, but it's, it's effective, and it, boy, does it work. It looks it's fucking terrific. Cool. And then to add yeah. injury to injury, he takes his finger... <laughs> And he just jams into a guy's throat. It just goes into his throat. Yeah. <sighs> so um, Walker hears Lennox's voice on the radio and it briefly gives him a military flashback with, again, lots of very dangerous looking explosions as he runs through the woods with a couple of other people. We'll get back to that yep. in a little bit later. Lennox's right hand man, the mustache guy, he's out his there. Name's Marcus. Marcus. Okay, so Marcus. Don't get too attached to old Marcus. No. <laughs> so he comes up around and uh, he can't. He doesn't see any of the guards. Their bodies aren't there or anything. He's got a gun. He radios back that nobody's there. The whole place is fucking deserted. Lennox's response to this is: Don't assume anything, you fucking moron. Check it out. It could be Walker. I would uh, probably assume at this point that it is Walker. <laughs> the guards are just <laughs> vanishing. That's not a good sign. Yeah, so so Marcus, being the brilliant <laughs> brain trust uh, detec- detective that he is, uh, he search he looks into this room and then immediately tur- turns his back on the room to call it in. Uh, he goes now, just as I here- suspected. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Here's where Walker fucks up because as Marcus is calling it in, Walker. <laughs> Kills him. Just fucking completely disembowels him. But he's on the radio yeah. as he does it. So Lennox knows that Walker's there now. If he had waited two seconds for him to fucking take his finger off that button, mm. he he could have killed him 
and no, and still had the upper hand of not exactly knowing what was going if on. If he waited even know. longer, the guy, Marcus, would have just went back. He was leaving. He was done searching. Yeah. <laughs> True. So uh, as you mentioned, Mo, uh, he does stab Marcus while he's on the radio. And then the the camera cuts, and then all of Marcus's intestines fall on the ground. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's a little unexpected. I was like, a stabbing, that's not very interesting. Oh, now there's a bunch of organ meat going everywhere. <laughs> Everybody loves a good disemboweling. Lennox does hear what happens, and he's very upset. He throws a table, Mo. And then, uh, again, to make him even more upset, Walker has his guns back. That's not good. <laughs> it then cuts to a first-person shot of Walker going around with his gun pointing, Mo. Like a classic first-person shooter, you might recall there was a similar shot in order of one kung fu killing spree which i have to say of all the movies that we've watched on no budget nightmares this is the movie that most reminded me of order of one right I, and i remember even telling you after i was done with this that it's it's not quite order of one no you know, it's or, not as tight as, as order of one is yeah or order of one is like a low budget action film fucking masterpiece honestly this is close like if they if they had cleaned up the story a little bit better and made it a little bit more you know structured and not so scatterbrained this would be at that level because this is i mean it's great order of one a little bit better it, it would make a good double feature with order of one I'll, absolutely yeah, i, I recommend that heartily to our listeners <laughs> So Lennox now knows that Walker is in the building. He calls all the units to the location, see if they can kill him. Um, Walker finds the corpse of Alex Mo, and I have to say, they fucking covered this dude with blood. Like he is, he, he is unrecognizable as a person. He's just blood. Yeah, he's basically a a sack of blood. He's just one giant squib. He goes. Walker goes. Don't worry, Alex. Randall's going to die for this. I promise. He doesn't know. Randall's already dead. What an odd thing for him to say. I mean, I understand that the character isn't supposed to know that, but it 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 just kind of reinforces the weird story structure that's going on here. Yeah. So he does what anyone does in a movie in 1997. He takes sneaks around poorly while dual wielding guns. He does. He does indeed wield two guns, and a firefight erupts. Mo. So he's pissed. He comes out with his two guns firing. Shoots two guards right away, very, very bloodily. Then another, then another. Then some guys come at him. I don't know if they're coming at him with swords or rebar, but either way, he shoots the shit out of them as well. Um, Then he walks around the building. At one point, he goes past a sign that says, important, report any accidents immediately, which I thought was pretty funny. He he also reloads Mo, which is not something you see in a lot of movies. You never see that in action films. And as, and, unless it's unless it's important to the plot, um, which I guess this is. Well, in this case, it actually is important because as he's doing it, someone comes up behind him and machine guns him in the back. <laughs> yeah. He falls to the ground. Uh, I would say mortally injured, but in this case, he's just kind of injured. So the guy who shot him, uh, I guess he thinks that he's more injured than he actually is. He comes up uh, through a door uh, and then um, Walker grabs him and shoots him through the neck. Yep. Walker then falls down and checks his wounds, Mo, and he's, he knows he's in bad shape. And then he does something that I was really hope he, hoping he was going to do. Walker <laughs> has definitely seen Rambo 3, as he have abs- I. Absolutely <laughs> has. As has the director of this movie. What does he do, Mo? So he um, takes a couple of his bullets, or I think he only takes one. Yeah, he just takes one. Yeah. 
bites the uh, you know the actual bullet itself out. Bites the bullet and, and yeah, and pours the gunpowder onto the wound. Mm-hmm. Now, anybody who doesn't know what's happening next has clearly never seen Rambo three. <laughs> he then lights the gunpowder, thus quarterizing the wound. Yes. And basically healing him entirely. <laughs> and yeah, which which is of course which course we which we all know is tantamount to one hundred percent health regen. Mm-hmm. That's right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, it's a great effect. It, it it looks really great for the budget. It, obviously, it looks way more fucking brutal in Rambo. Well, and Rambo's but, got that great thing because it's a wound through his body, so it, the, yeah, the, the it, flames yeah, come out on both the, sides, which is pretty great. Which is fucking awesome. But I'll give them credit. This is a fucking cool looking effect. And in this in movie's absolute... in this movie's defense, he's Walker isn't helping Al Qaeda at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a guy comes up. A guy comes up to Walker as he's uh, healing himself, and Walker picks a, points a gun at him and tries to shoot, but he's. Out of bullets, and the guy goes. He's out of bullets because he didn't get a chance to reload. You a walker? What a pussy! And then somebody shoots this guy to death. Mo, who is it? Jimmy. It's Jimmy, revealing that he actually is on Walker's side. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may be wondering why did Jimmy switch sides? What is his involvement with Walker? Remember, Walker is the guy who basically crippled him for a little while. It must be a really important story. Well, this is how the explanation goes in the movie. <laughs> Let's just listen. Good luck. So why did you have me back there? So when that Randall fit into all this, let's just say that it's Randall's this is a 6.2. So we're there. I mean, look, I love the fact that there's exposition going on during a gunfight. I love that. But every time something important, it's it's almost like a comedy scene where, like, they're using, like, car horns and, like, city sounds to, like, block swears naturally. It Like, you can't understand a fucking thing either one of them says. I listen back to that part because this is, like, the most important part of the whole movie. The big double turn... Or actually, it's just a single turn. The big turn in the movie, the big twist, is that Jimmy is going to join up with Walker, and we need to know why he, that is because it, it's 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 really the kind of most important exposition exposition in the entire movie, and it's impossible to hear it. And I don't know up to this point <laughs> why he ended up joining up with him. I don't know. I yeah, me neither. I and, and I I actually did the same thing too because you know. So I, I, I feel like most of our listeners by this point know that you send, you send me a list of the audio clips yeah. that you're going to play before I take notes and watch the movie. So like I was looking at this and I'm like, so why did you help me back there? Parentheses, completely incomprehensible explanation. Like, I mean, and I'm like, uh, uh, I, I'm going to have to listen to it like three or four times to see if I can figure out what he's saying. And I have no fucking clue. If you are a listener who, uh, who can tell us why Jimmy ended up going uh, with Walker for the rest of this movie, well, uh, you can send us a message through our website or message us on Twitter or go over to our Facebook page. I am very curious. So uh, they're buddies now. Jimmy and Walker are on the same side. They uh, start shooting at people together. The guards come out. They get shot. Uh, some old guy leans over where they're covering. They shoot him in the chest, throw him back, 
And but what's great about that is that he leaves a shotgun behind, and Jimmy picks it up, and now they have a shotgun mo. There is a moment where um, they put a guy's head through a glass window. Yes. And, uh, I mean, it's cool that they did that. And it happens again later, and it's equally as as unimpressive. Like, <laughs> it's... It almost like, looks accidental the way that happens later. It just... Someone just kind of knocks against some glass and it shatters. Right, exactly. And it, and it almost feels the same way here, except it's, it's supposed to be like, this is what kills him. Yeah. You know, and, like, I just... It's, it's one of the very few effects in the movie that makes me go... Nah, I don't know. So this scene seems to be taken directly from Hard Boiled, where they're crossing over from each other and both shooting up a bunch of people at the same time. And a bunch of doves come up. <laughs> That's and right. There's, there's uh, a baby that pees and puts out a fire on his leg. Uh, sorry, go ahead. They uh, shoot a bunch of guards. Uh, Jimmy yells out, you little cunt, at somebody. Um, Jimmy's very excited. Um, and, and at one point, Walker goes, Jimmy, you're okay. So they end up getting out of the building. And Jimmy's very excited about working with his new best friend, and he says this. this is okay. What do you reckon? Maybe we should work together sometime, eh? No, Jimmy, this is my last hit. I'll give this business up for good. Hi, thanks anyway. Oh! No! No! Um, so, despite Jimmy being Walker's new best friend, he just got shot at the end of that, right after it seemed like they were okay. They forgot that there's at least a few bad guys who have yet to be killed. Uh, what happened? Who shot uh, Jimmy? I don't remember. It's Lennox. Was it, was it Lennox? Yeah. yeah. Okay. In fact, he doesn't just shoot Jimmy once. He proceeds to then shoot him a thousand times. <laughs> and it's great. I mean, it's so goddamn bloody. It's really something else. So... Yeah. Lennox comes out. He goes, Walker, so finally it just comes down to you and me. But then again, we both knew it would. He goes, uh, and Walker goes, five years haven't changed you, Lennox. You're still a complete fucking asshole. And then he says, you murdered Chapman. You do remember Chapman, don't you, Lennox? And then we finally get the flashback. It's been teasing the entire movie, Mo. Uh, What did this flashback entail? You know, I have to say that I'm really glad that you caught all of that because for me, between the music and the echoing of the location where they it's were, it's really I, hard. I, yeah. I honestly didn't understand most of what they said. Uh, it's basically they're they're in a war situation. <laughs> we don't know which one. <laughs> yeah, we don't know which one. Uh, it could be the Falklands, for all I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, the suggestion I think might be that they're like soldiers of fortune, so it could really be anything. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's it's Lennox and Walker, and there's a third guy who we presume is Chapman, right? And uh, he got shot, and he's making a lot of noise. That's right. And it and it's sort of letting the enemy know where they are. And Walker's so, like, "Shut that chicken up!" Right. <laughs> but no, it wasn't a chicken, Mo. <laughs> it was a baby. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um. So so I so I get the impression like Walker heads up a little ways to sort of like draw attention away from them. Yes. You know, and Lennox basically just saws the guy's throat open. Yeah. It's not even like a slice. He's literally like arm back and forth yeah. sawing the dude's neck open. And Walker, very disturbed to see this, he basically goes, you bastard. And he points his gun at Lennox. But at that point, Lennox is already gone. Mm hmm. So uh, Lennox's response to <laughs> hearing this flashback, I guess, is to say, very touching, Waka, very touching. 
but you're not going to get away with it this time, huh? So uh, this is now the end of the movie, where it's Walker versus Lennox, two characters that were not at the beginning of the movie at all, but now are the only characters that exist for everything that's about to happen. Well, save for save one for one. Guy. Yes, you're exactly yeah. right, and that's very important yeah. to mention because there's some really amazing things that are about to happen. Absolutely. So they first have a fist fight, Mo. Why not start with a fist fight? They choke each other. Uh, Lennox falls down. Walker picks him back up, punches him in the mouth. Lennox eventually gets the upper hand with some kicks, and he says this. The guy's got potty mouth, I would say, Mo. Mm -hmm. You can hear him there. He's kicking Walker in the stomach a bunch of times. Uh, he does put a finger in Walker's wounds and then starts punching him in the face over and over again. He does try to gouge out Walker's eyes, but Walker grabs a bottle and smashes it in Lennox's face. And boy, it looks pretty nasty. Well, I mean, like the eye gouging scene's pretty fucking crazy yeah, that's too, because there's like all sorts of blood and shit. And it's like, but it doesn't stop him. Like Walker can still see. Well, he like, does take a, like a few moments to wipe the blood out of his eyes and shit. So yeah, know, I, it does stop him temporarily, but he's Walker. You can't keep him down. No, you can't. So Lennox, after getting the bottle in the face, he runs off. Walker gets up, grabs a gun. Lennox is ahead of them a little bit. Both are covered in blood. This moment, by the way, and a lot of, you know, quite a bit of the action in this reminded me of Jim Van Bever's uh, Debbie to Dawn uh, in a very mm. good way. Uh, in, yeah, yeah. in the way that it's kind of low-budget action, but you see people doing things that are exceedingly dangerous. And speaking of which... <laughs> yeah, now this this is amazing. And the fact that they waited until, like, the last, like, five, ten minutes of the movie to do this yes. is amazing. So after this, we get... Um, uh, so, so Walker wipes the blood out of his eyes, and he runs and grabs his gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he gets outside, and a car starts speeding at him. Yes. You know? He shoots the driver. Yes. Now, I thought this was Lennox at first, and I'm glad it wasn't. Me too. Because, you know... The, so anyway, the driver gets shot a bunch of times, and he starts getting out. He's wearing a hoodie, Mo, which now I understand why. <laughs> yeah, now we understand why. <laughs> um and he gets uh, dangerously close to the uh, petrol tank, mm-hmm. if as you will. Yep. Uh, they sh- they shoot him, and fuck me, do these guys do a full body burn? Now that is, I mean, that's the rarest of the rare in a fucking low budget film. You never see full body burns. And this one is and, really good and looks and so it's am- dangerous. It's amazing and looked fucking dangerous as hell so kudos to you yeah like motherfucker it was so fucking good lennox's response is that he gets into a car and he yells out walker won't you ever fucking die then a walker (laughs) also gets into a car they both have uzis and they are pointing at each other in their various cars lennox's car won't start for a second but eventually he does and so then mo they have a car chase yeah, it becomes Car Chase City. It's a car chase. And they're bumping into each other as they're driving, which is also it's, very dangerous looking. Yeah, it's fucking cool, man. Like, like I'm telling you, like, the, the, the tail end of this movie, there's so much cool shit going on. Yeah, I love it. So I really at one point, it. a car hits a tree and then just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not even like they faked it. Like, the car hit the tree. <laughs> so then... 
The cars are parked little little distance away from each other. They again both have Uzis. Lennox says this. Time to die, Walker! See you in Valhalla! <laughs> I left that little bit of, of uh, audio of the, the guns firing just to give you an idea that there's a lot of bullets flying. They're basically shooting as many bullets as possible at each other at a very close range, and they both get fucking pelted with bullets. Yep. So, um, Lennox shot to shit. He opens up the door of his car, starts to climb out, but then he falls down dead, Mo. And his dying word? Waka. Waka! Walker, by the way, he is <laughs> writhing in pain. But through a broken uh, uh, spot in his windshield, we can see that he's still breathing. There's a slow zoom on him, and it just focuses on his face for almost the entirety of the credits. It's just him breathing, just to show you, Mo Walker survived. A Darren Ward film that was Sudden Fury from the year 1997, Mo. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Just, just honestly, like an absolutely bonkers movie, and like I feel, like here's here's what I'll say, and I I think I already said this before, but sure. I'll say it again, whatever. If they had tightened up the story a little bit, you know, and it's an action movie, which are never supposed to be this long. It's too long for an action movie. Like they could have cut twenty minutes out of this, easy. Now this, you're absolutely right. This movie is too yeah. long. There's no way this should be longer than ninety minutes. Uh, and you're you're also right about the story. I get the impression yeah. that this movie had to be reworked in some pretty serious ways, but there are still scenes that are completely unnecessary to to keep in at this point. Honestly, right? The the it's a it has probably one too many twists for its own good. Right. And and here's the thing: it's one of those movies that, like, it's it's a destination movie. It's not the journey. You know, the journey to get there is okay. You know, it's not great, but when you get there and it, everything boils over and everything starts going full on batshit crazy, it's so fucking worth it um, because they go balls to the wall. Like they do what you're supposed to do when you're low budget. You know, you give you, you grab the audience's attention with all this crazy shit. And it's not like superfluous shit either. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe the maybe the full body burn is a little superfluous, but if you have the opportunity to do a full body burn, you fucking take that yeah. because you're because now your movie stands out over anything else that's in this particular genre because nobody does that. Nobody can get away with it. Nobody can do it right. Now, I'm not saying they did it right. I hope they fucking did it. Right. <laughs> but but it looked fantastic and it gave you this really really fucking like iconic image no no pun intended but burned into your mind you know that you're going to take away from from the movie and then followed up with immediately by a car chase which was unexpected and then you know that great line from Lennox to see you in Valhalla and <laughs> and the gunfight at the end you know and and here's the thing is that the whole entire movie while being goofy and having bits of you know, Guy Ritchie, you know, uh, clearly plagiarized. Um, I mean, not like dialogue, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like of course. Wise. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, still holds its own and uh, uh, still totally worth the time you put into it. So, I mean, in the end of the day, I think I'm rambling a little bit at this point, but uh, at the end of the day, I, this is definitely a movie that I would recommend to especially our audience, like the people who tend to watch these kind of movies. Like it's an it's a, an absolute must see. It's it's one of those movies that I think anybody who enjoys low budget films and enjoys action movies would walk away from this totally satisfied. It's also a movie that works very well in highlight form. Uh, I sure. I put a couple of clips online and the response was, I need to see this movie. And while the sure. movie doesn't necessarily live up to every part of that, simply because no, no. It, it, it is so lengthy and there's a lot of there's a lot of, of material in between these really bloody action scenes, which might not be as engaging for listeners of this show. It's worth the investment of time because what you get, you know, th- this is a filmmaker who is clearly of the mindset that this might be the only opportunity I ever have to do this. So I'm going to lay it all out on the line. I'm going to do whatever I can. And Hey, you know what? All the credit in the world. They, uh, they, he, he puts it all out there and, and, you know, he's, he's made a number of films since then. This is, was the beginning of his career. Um, as I mentioned, there's a, a few films I even heard of that he's worked on and, uh, and that's how you do it. It's not by holding back. It's not by, you know, hoping that you make mm-hmm. a second movie and getting some ideas for that. It's putting all you can into the one chance that you may ever have. And hey, if you swing and you miss, at least you did all you could. Right. You know, and, and honestly, I feel like, you know, even though it was a little crammed in there, you know, it was worth it with the Pike scene, mm. like Pike series of scenes, because it's honestly, it's, it's some of the best parts of the entire movie. It's definitely the best acting in the entire movie. You know, and they introduce this character who is just incredibly interesting and dynamic and like batshit crazy. And it fucking shows, you know, and so so kudos on them for that, too, and being able to pull that off. Uh, it, there's just there's a lot of, there's really is a lot to love yeah, about this movie. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to pick yeah. up a copy of this, it's available on Amazon um, in the United States at the very least for a pretty reasonable price. There's a special edition for around eight bucks American. So, uh, but you can check it out in other places as well. Just do a search online. Highly recommended. Sudden Fury. Uh, one of the uh, more impressive action movies that I've seen in recent memory, and one that I think that if you are a listener to this show. You should check out, and I have to say, yeah. I want to see a sequel. I want to see Sudden Fury 2. Make it happen, watch, you Hollywood eggheads. It. Yeah, and uh, you know, and like we had said before, you know, perfect fodder for a double feature with Order of One. Why so not? if you already have Order of One or are looking for an excuse to pick it up because you should own it, um, then without a doubt, pick this up. Do a double feature night with them. At the, you know, watch this one first. <laughs> Honestly, watch this one first. But, you know, your your crowd will not be disappointed with, with those two as a double feature. And that is Sudden Fury from the year 1997. Yeah, Mo, absolutely. what are we watching on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares? I honestly don't even remember <laughs> what you told me, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, this one's really exciting, actually. If you are a fan of Shot on Video or Micro Budget Cinema on uh, social media, you may have heard of this feature recently. Uh, it's been unearthed by friend of the show, uh, Tony Masiello, 
uh, who you might know from the website sovhorror.com. He does uh, some terrific videos about the history of shot on video cinema, uh, lots of other videos and video work uh, related to shot on video cinema. And recently, he unearthed a shot on video horror movie from the year 1990 that has never been seen before, and he is uh, releasing it in a super special edition. Uh, it's from David R. Williams. It's called Metal Noir. Uh, Tony was good enough to offer it to No Budget Nightmares as a feature to be covered on the show, and it is so unique. It is so in our wheelhouse. How could we possibly? Uh, it, yeah. And also, it's only seventy-three minutes. Another plus, I would say. Yay! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a movie uh, completely unseen until Tony uh, found it on a VHS tape. Uh, I'm sure we'll dig into the history of it a little bit more. But on good the next on you, episode bro. of No Budget Nightmares, it's from the year 1990, Metal Noir. That's awesome. That's really cool. I love when we have yeah. kind of really unique things. Of course, we're going to have to dig in in detail because uh, we need to convince our listeners to pick up their own copies. Like I said, this uh, the version put out by Tony here, it, there's multiple audio commentaries and making of and stills gallery. There's just a lot of material, material to go along with it. So uh, support Shot on Video Horror. We'll talk about Mental Noir very soon. Indeed. Mo, if people want to find out more about the No Budget Nightmares podcast, what's the way they should do so? Oh, well, I mean, obviously, you're going to want to pop onto that Facebook thing you know, all there. the kids are talking about. You know, you know they they got their, their Twitters and their TikToks and their dinglings. And, uh, you know, and, and the, and the, fa- and the fa- I don't know. Is that a thing? I don't know. And their Facebooks. Uh, kind of sounds like you're on that nose candy now, Mo. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'm totally on that. You know, that's what I'm saying. Um let me calm down a second. Uh, Sometimes Moe's asleep. This time he's too awake. Yeah, it's true. I, I drank a whole Mountain Dew before the show started. Uh, anyway, pop on to that Facebook there and uh, do a search for No Budget Nightmares, or you can just go right to facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. Just keep that all one word. And you can also follow us on Twitter at No Budget Podcast, all one word. Uh, you can go over to NoBudgetPodcast.com. Check out our entire archive of episodes. Subscribe via your favorite uh, podcast program. Or if you want to uh, choose a film for us to watch in the future, you can join up to our Patreon, support the show, help us put out more and more delicious, delightful, content over there at nobudgetpodcast.com uh mo you got anything else going on recently uh i've been playing a metric shit ton of monster hunter lately because the new expansion is coming out in september iceborne which i am just incredibly (laughs) excited about uh like honestly like like y'all gonna lose me for like two solid months to that game you know, I mean, the show's not, but I mean, like <laughs> the rest of the rest of society is because I'm just going to be playing it like a fucking n- nightmare hellscape. Um, I did watch something of no. What? Um, so Amazon Prime did a series based off of the comic book, The Boys, mm-hmm. which is one of which is one of my favorite comics book series of like all time. And uh, while while I don't feel they take, they get the characters quite right. They did a good enough job to make a thoroughly compelling and interesting and fucking brutal and gory as shit. Right. Uh, adaptation of the show. And I think anybody who has Amazon prime uh, and Amazon prime video for that matter should uh-huh. go and check and go and check it out. Cause 
it is absolutely worth the watch. Uh, Mo, I did see a movie called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, just a few days ago, and I uh, I know there's a lot of of controversy. Are you going to are you going su- to suck its dick like everybody else seems to be it, doing? There's a controversial uh, response to that movie. I enjoyed it very much with some reservations. I do think it's worthwhile to go out and check it out yourself and see what you think. Uh, it is a it's certainly a very different movie. Um, whether you like it or dislike it, there are, it's certainly a very a uh, uh, um, striking looking movie, especially for fans of, of uh, that era of cinema, which I think a lot of our listeners probably are. So I'm not going to give it a thorough recommendation, but I think that it's worth seeing for pretty much everybody. So because of that movie, I've been seeing a lot on Facebook and around everywhere, people doing their lists of, of Tarantino films, like ranking and sure. this, that and the other. And honestly, for me, like my Tarantino ranking list basically goes number one, Jackie Brown, sure. number two, everything else. Like I just like, like there's, there's better stuff and there's worse stuff. But like, honestly, the only film of his that I truly love is Jackie Brown. I really love Inglorious Bastards. And honestly, I love Django Unchained a lot more than a lot, a lot of people, I think. And Jackie Brown. I still haven't, I still haven't even seen Django Unchained because I don't like Jamie Foxx. I, so, I went into it with yeah. some pretty severe reservations, but I have to say, yeah. I, unlike friend of the show, John Cross, I really loved it. Um, mm. So anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also am part of uh, a 1990s horror movie roundtable on the podcast, The Podcast Under the Stairs, where uh, I think a dozen different podcasters are currently involved in ranking year by year the best horror movies of the 1990s. I'm on the year uh, 1991 and the year 1994. Uh, and there's, these, there's a lot of controversy happening, a lot of yelling in those episodes. Uh, at, as of the time of this recording, the 1991 episode is out there in the world. By the time uh, it comes out, the probably 1992 will be right around the corner. But you can go over to the podcast under the stairs, do a search for that on Facebook or on Google, and uh, you can check out those episodes. I'm uh, joined by a number of people. It will culminate in a massive roundtable where we will order. Uh, we take two picks from each year. We will then order those two uh, from each year, those 20 movies, into a top 20 of the decade. Uh, see what's there. See what gets missing. See what got swapped out by some adjudicators. It is a fucking shit show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I have to say, I can't give any, I'm not allowed to do any spoilers, but for the 1994 episode, if you want to hear me lose my goddamn mind, then you have to listen to that episode because the movie that uh, should get through does not get through, and that's all I'm going to say right now. But uh, right. yeah, so I watch. I've been watching tons and tons of 1990s horror movies for better or for worse. Mo, I watched Wolf and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, an Interview with the Vampire, um, at Night Watch, just a lot, lots and lots of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, look, if you want to know what I'm watching, you can always go over to my to Letterbox and do a search for me. I'm over there under Doug Tilly. And I'm sure you're uh, you're you're just tearing up Twitter with uh, all of your. Your comings and goings. I got shit going on, Mo, and I gotta let the world know about it. <laughs> yeah, well, well, why, why don't you why don't you let the world know where they can find you on your Twitter? I'm on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. You can of course find Mo on there as well at Drunk on VHS, all one word. He tweets yep. about once every six months or so, but you might be lucky and see him do it. It's one. It's about every three months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just checking out what's going on in the world and then hiding back into his hidey hole, hibernating for another it, few months. 
it's really funny with with me and Twitter that there was there was a point where I used to tweet so much that some of my followers actually asked me to kind of lay back a little bit because I was tweeting so much. And, um, and yeah, so I did. (laughs) (laughs) You listened to him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I listened. You didn't want to hear that much from me. So fine. You get me once every like two, three months. (laughs) Mo, I think it's time for us to end this episode of no budget nightmares. We're going to be back very soon. As long as neither of us get sick or all of our shit falls apart. Um, we're, you know, one of those two things is going to happen. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> inevitably, but we got <laughs> this episode out and we got the last one out. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I figure people yeah. expect us not to put out episodes at this point. So surprise motherfuckers. Here is an episode and coming soon to the no budget nightmares podcast. It's the movie metal noir from the year 1990. I think it's time to say good night. Mo. Indeed. Good night. Good night. So why did you have me back there? Because since I got fucked up with Randall, talking me to put a warrant so we got a chance. So where that Randall fit into all this? Let's just say the only place Randall's been is a 6.2. So we're going to bed. Yeah.